Welcome to Ask an Orthodontist, the podcast where industry leader and full-face orthodontics founder, Dr. Derek Mahoney, and his guests share their knowledge and insight on the ins and outs of orthodontic treatment for you and your kids. So welcome back uh, to Ask an Orthodontist, and it gives me a great pleasure to introduce uh, today's uh, guest, which is John Mew. Um, if you haven't heard of John Mew, you actually haven't heard of about orthodontics. He really is a legend in our community. He was educated at Rose Hill Preparatory School in Tunbridge Wells and then at Tombridge School. He subsequently graduated in dentistry at University College of London, and he trained in orthodontic surgery at Queen Victoria Hospital in East Grinstead. And if you understand East Grinstead, it was the, uh, still is one of the leading surgical uh, uh, situations in the world. Um, there's a, um, my good friend, Alf Corrin, uh, maxillofacial surgeon trained there. And it was one of the first places where they started doing skin grafts for people coming back from the war. I think they call that the guinea pig club, John. Um, and, um, one thing, uh, that I take my hat off to, uh, Dr. Mew is even though he started with a surgical background, he kind of saw the pros and cons of trying to change the face non-surgically. And I remember uh, one of the reasons he decided to do orthodontics um, back in the day when you had uh, TMJ problems, which is problems associated with your jaw joint, uh, the treatment was very surgical. You did a procedure called a condylectomy, where you effectively removed the condyle. And John saw that a lot of these patients uh, ended up uh, with remodeling of that joint. And that made him uh, come up with these tropic premises. Can we uh, functionally influence the growth of the jaw uh, without surgery? So since that time at East Green said, um, John has been seeking alternatives to facial surgery. And he moved then from the specialty of maxillofacial surgery uh, to orthodontics. Um, and uh, for years and, and, and around every um I think you've lectured in almost every country in the world, John, but um, John's been developing non-surgical methods of correcting unattractive vertical growth in children's faces using um, a term called orthotropics. And basically orthotropics uh, from, the, uh, from the Greek uh, translates to um, encouraging uh, forward or horizontal growth, which gives you a very good looking face and a, and a good airway. John has written two textbooks, and he's published many articles on uh, this subject, including prestigious journals such as the American Journal of Orthodontics and Dentofacial Orthopedics. Um, he became president of the Southern Counties branch of the British Dental Association in 1971. And over the last 20 to 25 years, uh, he has been uh, lecturing about these techniques uh, in countries around the world. Um, he's currently a professor of orthotropics at the London School of Facial Orthotropics, and he's a visiting professor to the University of Medicine and Pharmacy in Timisoara uh, in Romania. As a practicing clinician, uh, his principal research interests are the etiology of malocclusion and the guidance of facial growth. He's been honored with many uh, memberships uh, around the world, including life membership of the British Dental Association, a Paul Harris Fellowship from International Rotary, Fellowship of the International College of Dentists, and Outstanding Achievement Awards from the International Functional Association, as well as the International Orthodontic Society. Um, so, John, um, that's an amazing CV. 
And um, I can tell you, I've only been in the field for 35 years, nothing as long as yourself. But when I've um, seen faces produced by orthodontists, I've never seen faces as good as yours. Um, and, and, and I say that um, quite humbly uh, because um, I was trained in the traditional orthodontic approach where you treat late and you pull out some teeth to sort of camouflage jaw problems. And what you've taught me is to look at things in a whole different light. So can I, can I start by asking you the age-old question, and, and that is, what do you think causes a malocclusion? Well, in a very simple terms, I think there are three things. One, we tend to live indoors in houses and the levels of allergies and indeed allergens is very high. Um, and this causes a lot of children to develop nasal congestion when young. Therefore, they tend to breathe through their mouth. And that is the beginning of, I think, the major factor. However, uh, we also eat a lot of soft food, very naturally, um, and compared with our ancestors who ate raw meat and had to chew what they could. Um, we prefer to soften our food, so we cook it. And yes, it's much easier to eat, but of course our muscles are less developed and our teeth function far less. I mean, when you look at the ancient skulls, they are all worn flat and the cusps used to wear off the teeth in our ancestors within two and a half years. The final factor, I think, the third factor, is the lack of breastfeeding. When you breastfeed, a child should pump firmly on the breasts and this develops a tongue to palate posture, which many people do not have. Many children, if they are fed with a spoon, a cup, or worse still, a bottle, will tend to suck. As a result, they have narrow jaws and there isn't room for the teeth. If the upper jaw is narrow, the lower jaw can't grow forward. And I think there you have it three basic reasons. And for those who want to uh, follow Dr. Mew, he's got a very good uh, YouTube uh, channel. And there's one video where he shows a young chap who had a very good looking face until his parents bought him a pet. I think from memory, John, it was a, a, a gerbil. And he loved this uh, gerbil. <laughs> it slept with him and it was with him 24-7. But he was allergic to it and, and he developed um, this open mouth posture. And if you look at his face as a young adult, you'll see exactly what John is talking about. And that, that is a damage to the face, which is actually irreparable if you start dealing with it after facial growth is complete. So, John, can I ask you, I mean, I totally agree with what you have to say. I went um, to an orthodontic program in London, very prestigious co college, three years of training. And, of course, I still left with the understanding from those three years that that uh, orthodontics, sorry, malocclusion was genetic. And, and um, uh, you know, you're just unlucky. Mum had big teeth and dad had a small jaw, but I really know that's not the case. So can, can, uh, can I, can I ask you, what is the best way to cure the problem as far as you see it? 
you mean really to decide whether malocclusion is um, inherited or environmental? That is a question which has been asked ooh, many, many times. I think even the Greeks used to debate this in the very early days. So um, the real answer is that I am agree with you that it is mostly inherited, sorry, Jeanette, environmental. But as I said just now, those three factors cause it. Now, <clears throat> there is no doubt that the growth of the face is genetic. But what we fail to realize is that the environment can change that growth. If you consider bean seeds, and I've researched this, if you plant a bean seed upside down beside another one, which is planted the right way up, they both have identical genes. But the shape of the plant will be very different. The only reason being the one was planted upside down. And I think um, you've shown in your twin studies exactly how, if it was genetic, you'd end up with these twins with the same faces, but clearly that's not the case. And um, I always say to my um, patients that if you have two identical twins and one sucks their thumb and the other one doesn't, do you think they'll have the same type of occlusion? Of course, the parent says no, because the kid who sucks their thumb would have more protrusive teeth. So that's a classic example of uh, where the um, old thoughts uh, really don't hold uh, true. Now, John, you've been a big advocate over the years of expansion of the upper jaw, and you quite rightly say that if you expand the upper jaw at the right age and the child breathes through the nose with good posture, that lower jaw should follow and come forward. Can, can you share with the audience um, um, how did you find that expansion worked? Well, <clears throat> I should refer perhaps back to my father, who was an orthodontist too. When he was trained in 1920, everybody was expanding. And in fact, it was routine to expand at the age of four or five if there was not spacing between the teeth. Because clearly, if the baby teeth did not have spaces between them, there wouldn't be room for the permanent teeth. Now, my father died quite young but he kept very good records. And I then thought, well, I must find out the truth here. So I measured his cases. And I found that it was, as I had been taught, expansion always relapses, which is why most orthodontists don't use it. But I was fascinated by the fact that while most of them relapse between one half and two-thirds, some of them hardly relapsed at all, which really surprised me. But even more surprising, a few of them would continue to widen after expansion. Now, most research works on pooled information. You know, you put all the cases together and work out the average. Therefore, I don't think people have ever noticed this particular phenomenon before. But you can imagine how it changed my practice. 
factors because I realized there had to be another factor which was either allowing the jaws to relapse or encouraging them to be permanent. And I am now quite sure that it is the tongue which makes the difference. Also, perhaps muscle tone, but mainly the tongue. And I'm sure that the tongue is the main cause of malocclusion. And on that point, John, uh, I think you have, you know, is it right something like um, 10 million mewing followers on YouTube? <laughs> it's an amazing I, I believe I'm told there are 50 million people at the moment following my, uh, well, it was actually a paper I wrote in 1981. My son Michael put it up on YouTube and people then took to it. They labelled it mewing. We didn't. And as I say, they are showing me phenomenal results. These are people, um, many of them in their 30s, and even I had a letter from a lady of 50 saying that she had had a dramatic improvement in her face purely by following our advice on keeping your tongue touching on the palate and your teeth in contact for a certain amount of time. And I think there's no doubt that this can make an influence on the basic um, skeletal structures of the face at almost any age. And I think looking at the other way, uh, John, you've published a lot of papers where you look at when things go wrong, uh, cranial dystrophy patients, uh, uh, patients who have low muscle tone, uh, such as Down syndrome, and you see their tongue's in the wrong spot, which develops uh, a totally different type of malocclusion, a totally different type of face. And, you know, uh, to this day, I try and encourage all my patients to breathe through their nose, lips together, tongue on the palate. And um, and uh, really what you've shown is that uh, this is important at, at, at any age. And, and uh, we, we, I always was taught again in my traditional training that at certain age, all the sutures of the upper jaw fuse and there's no chance of changing them. But we all know that's actually incorrect. Um, and it's just the way you deal with those sutures and the forces. So can you tell me, what made you think of this uh, tropic premise? Let's call it that, uh, or maybe we can call it mewing, because I believe um, mewing is is now in the Oxford Dictionary. It's actually a word. And, you know, I know that, John, because I won a Scrabble game by, by putting mewing in, and, and I was challenged. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really well, good. Well, well. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. No, you, your direct question was um, how I came up with the idea. Um, it took me a long time, Derek. It was after my research on my father's expansion that I realised it was something to do with the tongue. But clearly there are lots of bits of the mouth which move and are involved. And I really, it took me, I think, about three years working out the effect of each of the different factors like the cheeks, the lips, the tongue, um, the jaw muscles, and of course, natural growth factors. Um, But what I didn't realize to begin with, but discovered afterwards, is that oral posture 
merely keeping your mouth closed will encourage forward growth. I came up with the idea long before I realized just how good it was. And I've met your three children who have beautiful faces. And um, not that I'm having a go at you, John, but I, I don't think your dad treated you that well, did he? I believe you've had some teeth out and retractive orthodontics. So you, you could have yeah. been a good looking chap. But uh, let's, let's, <laughs> but, but your, your, your children, particularly your son, who's become an orthodontist. I mean, no. they're a great example to show that if you believe in genetics, both you and your wife had very crowded teeth and extractions, and yet they've developed these beautiful faces and beautiful jaws and, and uh, didn't really need orthodontics. So, so that's just coming from my personal experience of knowing the Mew, Mew family. Um, John, next question, if I may. Um, what is the tooth eruption mechanism? Because people read about that, and uh, maybe in layman's terms you explain to uh, patients and potential uh, I mean, then their parents, what this means. Well, it really is part of my belief that the human body is able to grow and develop to an ideal form if you adopt natural posture and avoid too many modern lifestyles. Essentially, when you think of it, all mammals, indeed all animals, have to have a dentition where the teeth meet perfectly. Well, now, some mechanism must exist to enable them to meet perfectly. The genes are not that accurate. You know, your arms of your right and left hand are not exactly the same, and your teeth would not meet perfectly if they were just controlled by the genes. So there has to be an additional mechanism. And quite simply, every individual tooth has its own separate eruption mechanism. We know that anyway, teeth go on erupting until they meet something. Now, it should be the opposite tooth. But if your tongue is in the way, if your finger or thumb is in the way, even if you put a pencil in the way, then all the teeth don't meet evenly. Now, this is crucial when we consider temporomandibular problems or jaw joint problems. And most of the public are, I think, blissfully unaware that if they keep their teeth in contact for the right period of time, None of them will have TMD problems. Um, I was supported uh, on this theory by Bill Prophet, you know, the uh, very well-known American um, uh, professor. Sadly, he's dead now. But he did some very delicate research where he found that when you um, wake up in the morning, your face is slightly longer because the teeth have erupted. But during the day, and especially after a meal, they will all intrude. So the teeth um, retain this ability throughout life. And if you think about it, they obviously have to, because it is essential that all your teeth meet perfectly. I call that the tooth eruption mechanism. 
and on the basis of Bill Profit's research, he found that if the teeth are in light contact for about six hours a day, they will neither erupt or intrude. So I think that is the period you should aim for. But remember that must include the amount of time you spend eating as well. And um, there's another hypothesis that you've come up with, which actually makes perfect sense. Is I think it's all part of your topic premise. And and I, I would encourage anyone, whether they're an orthodontist or a general dentist or a member of the lay public, to read John's book, where he actually discusses this in great detail. It makes perfect sense. And um, uh, I, I, and I think um, the proof in the pudding is really, as I said to look at what happens when you follow this guide. And so, John, there's another uh, hypothesis, which you call the, if I'm, I'm saying this right, uh, mastanlosis uh, hypothesis. The mastanlos hypothesis, I think, is one. Yeah. Yeah. That is another Greek word. It actually means um, uh, to pump, um, which is referring to breastfeeding. Now, these days, it's part of our social behavior, but it's certainly, um, uh, 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 you might say, a, a normal human habit to breastfeed for a period of months. Most people will not breastfeed more than six months, although there are some who believe in breastfeeding and breed, will breastfeed for two or three, maybe more years. Now, on the basis mainly of logic, but also of research, I, I believe that you should, or the natural period of breastfeeding, and relating this to animals as well, is about three years, or should be three years for the human. Now, that would mean that you are still breastfeeding when the entire deciduous dentition has erupted. And I think that is very important. Most people continue to breastfeed, but will often um, also supplement this with a spoon, a cup, or a bottle. Now, I think that often does more damage than a short period of breastfeeding. And for any members of the public who are listening to this, do realize that when you use a spoon to feed a child, you will disrupt its tongue posture. In primitive life, spoons didn't exist. Children used to take bits off their children, their parents' plate, if they had a plate. Um, and in the very early days, the mothers would chew the food and then give it to their child after they chewed it. But um, both spoons and cups cause a lot of damage to tongue posture. And they then, the child then develops a suck when they swallow. Do you know over 90% of, should I say, civilized humans suck when they swallow? Um, you could ask anybody to try it. Just say, swallow now. Most of them will realize, yes, they suck. That is why they have these very narrow 
upper jaws and why the lower jaw can't grow forward. And um, I mean, I've seen in my practice when I've changed from treating late uh, with permanent dentition to treating more in mixed dentition, when I've changed to uh, establishing a good upper jaw, establishing good breathing, I see amazing faces. Can you tell me, John, how can we get other orthodontists to change their mind? I know Helen Jones is a big advocate of yours, Bill Hang, uh, you know, Barry Raphael. I can name uh, uh, Dr. Kutafuro in Japan. I mean, you have many, many allies around the world um, who understand because they've actually taken the time to um, give it a go, as you say. What would you say to orthodontists who still say this is all um, bar humbug and doesn't work? That's a very interesting question, Eric. Um, I think essentially orthodontists believe in straightening teeth and they are trained to do that. And to most orthodontists, that is the most important thing. Now, there is no doubt that the best way to align the teeth is to use fixed appliances. But um, the fixed appliances do damage the face. There is absolutely no doubt about that. I originally found out about that in the 1970s um, when I found that almost constantly when you fit fixed appliances, the face will lengthen. And maybe not very much, but often a lot. And if it, but you get a lot of vertical growth, you'll have a face my shape. Um, and uh, that is what happened to me. And I am strongly against any fixed appliances. One thing that really surprised me is the lack of research, both on the damage caused by root absorption, which is a specifically um, caused by fixed appliances. Um, what amazes me is that there has been very little research into the minimum force you can use to move teeth with. Now, I have found out through my own research that it is less than the force of a feather. That is all the force you need to move a tooth. Not do it has to be permanent, but a feather will move a tooth as far as you want it to move. Now, fixed appliances particularly if they're using spring wire, even light wire, in a mouth where the teeth are quite irregular, fixed appliances will apply a force about a hundred times greater than is necessary to move the teeth. That is what causes the damage to the periodontal membrane. If you push a tooth to one side, of the um, socket, you will prevent the blood supply reaching the periodontal membrane in that area. And if that continues for more than a few hours, and if you're using light wire spring appliances, it will continue for weeks, maybe months, then the cells will die, you'll get root absorption. And I don't know of one research project to check how much um, shorter the teeth survive 
with roof damage than without roof damage. Do you know of one? No, no, John, that's a very valid point. There's lots of studies that uh, link any form of tube movement with some form of root resorption, and the heavier the forces, the increased likelihood of that, no doubt about that. I know Edward Storey, a uh, uh, Melbourne orthodontist, uh, was the first guy to actually measure what source forces you use to move a tooth with uh, braces. And, you know, he was talking about 150 to 200 grams of force. Now, to compare that to your your light feather theory. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the more progressive orthodontists in the world, you know, the Dr. Damons of the world, et cetera, have all realized that light forces are the way to go. Uh, but they still seem to be missing the message that before you start applying forces to the teeth, you, you've got to get the foundation correct. And I, I always think now, since I've been doing orthotropics and, 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 and getting the jaws in the right position before I even think about uh, tooth movement, it's, for the, for the orthodontist who, uh, who focuses on straightening the teeth and doesn't look at the airway, doesn't look at the posture, uh, doesn't look at forward growth of the face. It's a bit like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Um, I mean, we know, we know that those teeth are going to move. And, and, and one of the big things that any parent or any person who's gone through orthodontics will agree with is after they've uh, had their teeth straightened with fixed appliances, how, how stable are they? When you stop wearing your retainer or when your fixed wire behind your teeth falls off, your teeth move. And, and, and I think um, uh, you, you showed me many, many years ago the fabulous um, research by Dr. Frankel. You were lucky enough to meet him. Uh, uh, this is uh, you know, back before the days of the wall came down. And, and he was showing you amazing cases without any fixed orthodontics where he, he changed the muscle. And, and I was really impressed by that, John. Do you, do you, do you wanna, can, you, can you just quickly chat on your times with the very famous Rolf Frankel? Well, I'm fortunate because I'm so old, I've known all of them. Um, now, I, all of the orthodontists I, I, I met, I think um, Ejil Harvo did most uh, valuable research. You remember he did the research with monkeys. He blocked the nose and every monkey developed a severe malocclusion. But not so many people remember his research where he put a bit of plastic in the roof of the mouth. All that did was disrupt the tongue posture. But all those monkeys developed severe malocclusions too. And yet, poor chap, he was largely ignored. People said, well, monkeys are different from humans. You can't um, transfer the conclusions. Um, but, oh, I can't list all the people, but let me mention Rolf Frankel. Lovely guy, Rob Frankel. And it was he, I'm sure, who um, supported my belief um, that posture was so important. And his Frankler plants, of course, were very effective at preventing people sucking on their teeth. And that was why it was so successful. The one thing that the Frankel appliance does not do is train the patient to keep their mouth shut. Now, you know, I've created the stage three bioblocker plants. And that is the reason why I am sure I get such good faces. You were flatteringly said they were the best. They may be so, but what I do is to train subconscious 
posture, that word subconscious is terribly important. People do exercises to improve their posture. They hold their tongue on their palate. They hold their teeth together. But unless that is a natural subconscious posture, you will not get um, a long-term change. Even if you'll get some improvement, but you won't get the forward growth. But, you know, I will often get, in fact, I've got several patients where the faces come forward over 25 millimeters. That's an inch to people who talk in those terms. And all right, it doesn't happen often. And it depends a lot on the age of the patient. But the, you, I think every young child has the potential for over an inch of forward growth, which will mean they will grow up being good looking with no um, jaw joint problems. And especially, of course, no sleep apnea problems either. So, John, thank you so much for taking the time uh, for uh, uh, allowing us to uh, record this. And um, uh, I thank you again for all you've done for the profession. I thank you for opening my eyes. I felt that uh, you're really a prophet in the wilderness. And um, and I was so lucky to listen to you and change the way I practice. And, and you know, uh, it, it's, it's made a huge uh, difference in my career into what I can offer patients. And I, I would implore any orthodontist who may be listening to this, you know, don't listen to um, uh, what uh, uh, people say. Why don't you have a go yourself and try this theory, try a, a bioblock stage one and see how amazingly it works on the upper jaw. Uh, and maybe, you know, uh, take a John Mew course. And, and John's still lecturing around the world, but he's also now uh, uh, recorded amazing videos. Uh, and, and he's very, very good at allowing people to watch these free of charge on, on, on YouTube. You know, and I, I take... Uh, I would suggest you, you you do that. Now, for parents who want to learn more, John has developed an amazing website. Uh, John, correct me if I'm wrong, it's www.orthotropics.com, correct? Well, it's actually my personal site is johnmeworthotropics.co.uk. Right, okay. No, yeah, um, if they can remember that. So it's it's www. John Mew, uh, Orthotropics. No dots at all there. Right. Then .co.uk. .co.uk. Perfect. Excellent. John, thanks again. Really appreciate your time. I always learn some more when I chat to you. And you're looking looking amazingly well. Well, uh, thanks a lot. (laughs) But 93 anyway. Great, great. Thanks again, John. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Full Face Orthodontics and Dental Sleep Medicine, Sydney and Melbourne. If there's a topic you would like covered by Dr. Mahoney, just reach out to us at marketing at derekmahoney.com.